You're listening to the sermon podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Terry Green. It's a blessing to see you here today. We have some folks I haven't met yet. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then I'm your brother. We know the Lord together and we'll be in His family and we'll spend eternity together. And you know, even those Christians you kind of don't like very much on earth, you're going to get along just fine in heaven. The Lord's going to transform our hearts, our souls, even our bodies. No more aches and pains in heaven. Now, when our kids were little, <clears throat> that's kind of funny because when by the time Benjamin was born, Jessica was already 12 and did not consider herself little at all. Uh, but when our kids were younger, and uh, we would uh, be riding in our van, and we would sometimes ask questions from the Bible, you know, and it was kind of a softball for the young kids, but uh, the older kids would definitely try and stump mom and dad with a question from the Bible. And one of them did. I think it was our son Nathan. I'm not sure. But they asked this question. They said, it was Nathan. So Nathan asked and he said, who is Noah's wife? What's her name? And so we let the kids talk about it a little bit. And then Kathy and I said, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say her name. It just talks about Noah and never mentions her name. And he said, oh, yes, it does. And we said, oh, no, it doesn't. And he said, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. His wife's name was Grace. <laughs> that brought the best laugh of any of our Bible questions. <laughs> grace. And you know, grace is a wonderful word. Just the sound of it sounds great. Grace. Say it. Grace. You know, you can't really say grace. It just doesn't work. You start to say grace and it just comes out pleasantly. Grace is one of my favorite words. Just hearing it makes me feel better and praise the Lord. And I was sharing with some folks before Sunday school, I'm reading through Leviticus this week. And man, I am so thankful for the grace of God that we don't have to go through the offering and the sacrifice that they did, that Jesus did it for us. Grace causes my heart to sing and I just realized I have a typo. Grace causes my heart to sin. It's supposed to say, sing. It causes our hearts to sing. The grace of God. And we, earlier in the service, we sang about his amazing grace and his love. And it's, it is truly amazing. But grace soothes and it calms and uh, it also stirs and empowers us. By God's grace, we're not stuck. We can grow, we can overcome, we can mature. We're never stuck. And maybe some of you feel like you haven't matured for years. Well, let me tell you something. You can still grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter wrote that in the scripture. It's beyond our minds to comprehend the fullness of God's grace. It seems almost too good to be true. It's a simple word. How many syllables? How many letters? I saw a couple of you looking up at the screen. 
But the simple single word changes your life. It changes human history. It changes your eternal destiny. God's grace. And Noah did find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Not his wife. He found her in the eyes of the Lord too. But grace wasn't her name. But grace was the gift that God gave him. And God gives us the gift of grace. Father, as we look in your word today, I pray that you would stir our hearts, encourage us, strengthen us, fill us with joy, the joy that you called unspeakable and full of glory, the joy that transcends our circumstances, the joy that causes our hearts to sing and our souls to be filled with love because of you. And I pray that we would just uh, worship you as we read through this psalm. May you inspire us, encourage us, strengthen us, challenge us. May we be closer to you for having been here in this service this day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Psalm 103. I don't know if you can see it there at the bottom of the screen. Psalm 103. At the end of the message time, we're going to read it together. But for right now, I'm going to read it, and you can follow along with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment, I'm sorry, righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Verse 18, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you, his host, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Do you think he was kind of pleased with what God was doing? 
I don't think this psalm was written when David was young and, and experiencing a great moment of victory. Most of the uh, people who study the scripture and write commentary, they think this was written when David was an older man and he was looking back over his life and he had seen his own failures and experienced God's forgiveness. He'd seen his country struggle and then uh, grow back. And, and so he looks back over the course of his life and he sees the hand of God's blessing all through. In verse 1, saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. John Stevenson wrote this sometime in the mid-1800s. Let your conscience bless the Lord by unvarying fidelity. Let your judgment bless him by decisions that are in accordance with his word. Let your imagination bless him by pure and holy musings. Let your affections praise him by loving whoever he loves. Let your desires bless him by seeking only his glory. Let your memory bless him by not forgetting his benefits. Let your thoughts bless him by meditating on his excellence. Let your hope praise him by longing and looking for the glory that is to be revealed. Let your every sense praise him by its fealty, your every word by its truth, and your every act by its integrity. With all my being, bless the Lord. Then verse 2, it says, he, his great, By grace he daily loads us with benefits. Uh, I don't remember the reference in Psalm 68, 19, I think it is, that uh, God daily loads us with benefits. He's the God of our salvation. And in verse 2, he's, he's forget not all of his benefits. We need to remember his benefits. All right? So just, just think about today. How many of you are aware that it's today? Raise your hand. Okay. Good. Most of you are aware. All right? Well, right now, he, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, he is keeping you saved. Right now. He is reserving your home in heaven. He is guiding you through his word and through his Holy Spirit. He is surrounding you with brothers and sisters in Christ. We have moments of loneliness, but we have lots of family in Christ. He is allowing you to breathe. Your breath is a gift from the Lord. He is holding the universe and each of your bodily organs together. By his will, your heart beats. Uh, my mom developed heart trouble when my little sister was born. It had nothing to do with my brothers and I and our teenage antics. It was all my little sister's fault. And when my sister was born, I was 12 and, and uh, had a brother 13, a brother 14. But one night... When Lori was three or four years old, my mom had had a, not a good heart day, you know, and, and so my dad walked in and Lori's laying on the bed with her feet sticking straight up in the air and she's yelling and screaming for dad and she says, my heart, it's beating. <laughs> and he said, that's a good thing, girl. That's a really good thing. <laughs> but by his will, your heart beats, your digestive systems function, your cells regenerate, your eyes Focus and move and scan and observe. 
He is even keeping your skin on. Otherwise, you'd be a mess on the floor. <laughs> He's holding all things together. By him, all things consist or hold together. Don't forget his many blessings. We can get distracted. Honestly, life on earth hurts. And some days, it hurts a lot. But God also blesses a lot every day. Verse 3, he says, Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. He, he forgives all. His mercy is more. We just sang it. His mercy is more than all of your sins and all of your difficulties. His mercy is more. He forgives all of them. And if you could think of a sin that you committed in your life, every day of your life, that God's mercy is enough to forgive all of those sins, all of our iniquities. Every time we violated his law, he forgives in his mercy. I know we're all Baptists, but I mean, you just should have said something like, praise the Lord, don't you <laughs> Let's try it together. Ready, ready? One, two, three. Praise, praise the Lord! The Lord. I think you need to work on that one at home, okay? All right, what else does it say? It says he heals all. He's even designed your body to have healing function so that when you cut yourself, it scabs over and then it heals up so that your cells are regenerating, so that your muscles can heal and be strengthened. And broken bones even grow back together. My brother was in a car accident when he was, I think, 17 or 18, I don't remember, a drunk ran through a red light and slammed right into my brother. And he was in the driver's seat and it pushed him out of the car on the, on the driver's side. And, and his arm got run over, but thankfully not his head. And so his own car ran over his arm because he got blown out of the car by the drunk. And it crushed this part of his bone. And so there was a tire width gap in his arm bone. So what did they do? They put pins in there. And they put one going up and one going down, and it held the bones together. And then the bones grew up around it. And then when he went active duty Air Force, they had to pull out those pins. He said that was an experience. <laughs> but the bone grew back. There was a tire width gap in his arm, and the bones grew back. Because God designed our bodies. And I know some of you have chronic illnesses and chronic pain and problems. You think, well, I wish he'd heal all of mine. He will. Someday they'll all be forgotten. We'll be with him in glory in a glorified body and you'll all look like me. <laughs> I sure hope not, man. Oh, I hope not. But he's going to heal us completely. My dad suffered uh, the last uh, six months of his life were pretty miserable and then he went to be with the Lord. And somebody who didn't know that my dad had passed away, and that was about a year ago, and somebody didn't know, they said, how's your dad doing? I said, he's doing great. He's with the Lord. All of his suffering are over. In heaven, there's no pain, no sorrow, no suffering. God is gracious. Verse 4, he redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Redeeming you from destruction, the wages of sin is what? Yes. And how many have sinned? All. 
all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so what you deserve is destruction, the, the fires of hell. In fact, parents, when your kids tell you, that's not fair, tell them you don't want fair. If life were fair, we'd all end up in hell. You don't want fair. We want grace, right? And, and so God is going to forgive. He already has forgiven all those sins. And then he also rewards good behavior. He will um, satisfy, crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. All right, look at verse 5, the first part. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. All right, ready? Real quick, I want you all to shout when I say three, or right after I say three, I want you to shout out your favorite food, okay? Your favorite food, all right? You all ready? One, two, three. Fajita. I didn't hear unity. Did you? How many of you were sitting next to someone who said something different than what you said? Yeah. Aren't you glad he doesn't make us all eat the same things? Back in the day when I could really eat hot stuff, I can't eat as much as I used to, and I could pop an habanero pepper and just chow down and enjoy the thing, and Kathy thought ketchup had a bit of a kick to it, you know? That was fine. She could eat things she enjoyed, and I would eat the things I enjoyed, and I never made her eat hot and spicy stuff, and she never made me put ketchup on my enchiladas. So it worked out great. But God is the one who made the taste buds in your tongue. And everybody has unique taste buds. How many of you love sour food, sour stuff? Raise your hand. You love sour, all right? How many of you prefer not to eat sour? Raise your hand. All right, the first group, those are the spiritual ones. But <laughs> but, but God allows you to enjoy your food. So this afternoon or this evening when you're next eating, whenever that is, and you're enjoying that food, stop in the middle of your food. Stop in the middle of the meal with the food still in your mouth and just quietly inside yourself, don't talk with food in your mouth, but inside yourself, praise God that you can enjoy this food. And then the end of the verse says, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He strengthens you. Even the hard times you've gone through in life prepare you for future hard times. He, he gives you the strength that you need day by day because he's God. That's what he does. That's who he is. But he also corrects. Even this is in grace. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. In this world, in this life, it seems like the oppressors win, doesn't it? Sometimes the most obnoxious jerky bosses get promoted. And sometimes the most obnoxious rude politicians get elected. And sometimes the most deceitful, devious financial planners and politicians and journalists earn awards and get promoted. But God's keeping score. And there is a day of accounting. And if they haven't experienced it yet, it's coming. 
because God takes care of those who are oppressed. And they may endure for a time, but joy's coming because the Lord takes care of his own. Look at verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Have you really thought about the fact that we know about God? See, I know that in Romans 16, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, it talks about how we can know God. And it said God has revealed himself to all people in two ways. First of all, he revealed creation. And even atheist, agnostic scientists studying the intricacies of the universe and of the human body and of birds and, and life. And, and as they're evaluating all, even atheists, people who refuse to recognize God are coming to the conclusion there is a designer in the universe that, that things work together. There's a pattern that it couldn't have happened by an accidental explosion. And we know the truth. God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. And by the way, just think about your own body. You have nine or ten operating systems in your body that all have to operate at the same time for us to have life. Remove any one of those systems and your life is gone. So you couldn't develop one at a time. They all had to be operating at the same time. That's called creation. Not evolution. God created us complete. And, but So we, we can look at creation and realize there must be something there. And then God has also put into our heads, into our hearts, uh, the law of conscience. That there's an awareness of God put in the hearts of people. You say, well, a lot of people sure aren't aware of it. Well, they were when they were younger, maybe. They've gotten hardened against it. But if that's all you had was a little bit of conscience and an awe of the creation, you still wouldn't know God. You would know there was a God, a being, a something, an intelligent designer, but you wouldn't know who God is. There's only one reason you and I can know who God is. He revealed himself. He told us who he is. He described who he is. And we didn't quite get that. He came and lived among us, Jesus Christ. God incarnate in the flesh, living among us. And he showed us who he is. Now some people, when they go to the scripture, they think, it's a mystery. Actually, the scripture's more understandable than women are, right, Jim? No. And the best response I got all day was from that comment. But see, the truth is, men and women don't fully understand each other. Every now and then, Kath and I look at each other and say, what were you thinking? Of course, when she asked me, I can give the guy answer, nothing. Yeah, right? Guys really can think nothing. Women can't, but guys can. It's medically proven. But, but you know, we, we don't understand each other that well, but we can read and understand God because he has revealed himself in the pages of Scripture and through his prophets. And he's talked to people and revealed it in the Scripture, and the Holy Spirit helps us understand it, and we can learn God. 
And, and by the way, guys, you know, you don't need to understand women. You just need to understand one woman. First uh, Peter 3, 7. Guys are supposed to dwell with their wives in an understanding manner. So if you're married, guys, and you haven't learned to understand your wife a little bit, God's not really happy with the effort you're putting forth. You can grow in this area. Okay? Did that get me out of the doghouse a little bit? <laughs> All right, look at verse 8. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Have you ever known somebody who was short-fused? Don't point fingers, just raise your hand. If you knew somebody who was a little short-fused, short-tempered, yeah. Well, God's not that way. Aren't you glad? God doesn't respond at you with, Michael, I can't believe you did that. That's, that's not God. It might be Todd, but it's not God. Okay? And he shows his mercy, and his mercy is not receiving what you deserve. We love mercy. Mercy is, we, we don't get what we deserve. We deserve hell. We deserve punishment. We deserve pain. We deserve eternal death. And his mercy forgives all that. Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sins. But there's more than that. He is merciful and gracious. Grace is giving you what you do not deserve. Sometimes it's called unmerited favor. So mercy keeps you from suffering what you deserve, but grace gives you something you don't deserve. So in God's mercy, he has forgiven your sin. In his grace, he has adopted you into his family. In his mercy, he has removed your sin from uh, upon you. And in his grace, he makes a home in heaven for you to live with him forever. He adopts you into his family. And so we, we praise the Lord for his mercy, forgiving what we needed forgiven, and his grace providing what we did not deserve. Verse 9, he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Now, aren't you glad that God is omnipotent and all-powerful and does not hold grudges? Imagine if God held a grudge against you. Oh, could he make you pay? But God does not hold grudges. He will not do that. Verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor punished us according to our iniquities. If you study criminology, uh, you study lawbreakers, and you know what? We are great sinners. But Jesus is a greater Savior. His mercy and His grace are more than our sin. And He forgives us. Verse 11, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. Uh, as far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. So we move from criminology to astronomy. Uh, the, his mercy is higher than the heavens. Now, when you think about that, your mind kind of goes to distance, right? Like, I don't remember how far away the farthest star that they've been able to calculate is, but, you know, it, they use the E there because you can't write out that many numbers. It just goes off the page. 
uh, all the way down the page and off the page. Uh, so, but but the the stars are trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of miles away. So it's not just all that distance, but look at the magnificence of the heavens, the beauty. And when you walk outside and you enjoy the sun, you are standing in the warmth of a fire, a fireball in the heavens keeps you warm. It's amazing. His mercy is so much higher. The beauty of God's mercy is more precious than all the universe. And the standard of God's mercy is beyond our capacity to understand how he could forgive so completely. But he does. And then he removes it. Uh, geographically, topographically, as far as the east is from the west. He just takes it away, and it's gone forever. He has removed our sins. And then this is a, 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 the magnificence of God, right? God is both transcendent in that he is up in the heavens, in, in heaven, and then he's also immediate in that he's right here with us. The Holy Spirit inside us and, and God here with us where two or three are gathered in my name, he's in the midst. So the Father's in our midst and the Spirit's inside of us. So God is here with us, but he's also there. God's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. So we have this amazing, awesome transcendence of God in verse 11 and 12, and then in verse 13, we have this closeness. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. This is that biology. Now, some teenage boys need to be reminded that our human bodies are breakable. We're made of very fragile materials. They easily snap and break and pull and twist and tear. Uh, but God is a father who cares. So, in the imagery of this psalm, if a kid is running along and he falls down and he bashes his knee and he's bleeding a little bit, if the dad were God, he would not yell at the boy for being clumsy and tell him, go see his mother to clean up the blood. He would minister and take care of the hurt. As When it says here, it says as a father, but, but if you had a father who wasn't very tender, who wasn't very kind, you could say as a good father would pity his children. Maybe yours didn't, but God would and does. So the Lord pities those who fear him. He feels bad for our pains. We've heard politicians say, I feel your pain, but they don't. But we have a Savior who says, I feel your pain, because he does. And then in verse 14, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Biology, he knows we came from the... They used to say at funerals, right? From dust we came and to dust we returned. 
From dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. I remember watching that on movies. Never actually heard that said in a funeral. And I'm really kind of glad I've never heard that said in a funeral. It's kind of weird. But, but God knows our makeup. He knows our physiology. He knows our mental capacities. And sometimes people get the idea that God expects you to be perfect. And if you're not perfect, God's really mad. And he's going to zap you. But he's a father who pities his children. And he knows our frame. He knows we're dust. He doesn't expect you to be perfect, but... He does expect you to keep growing, to mature. So when you make a mistake, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you make a mistake, when you sin, when you transgress, you ask his forgiveness, he forgives you, you press on. He doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he also does not expect you to be comfortable in your sin. Repent, grow, receive his mercy, enjoy his grace, grow. Oh. And then in, uh, in verses 15 and 16, as for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. So we went from... Uh, Criminology to astronomy, geology, sociology, biology, chronology, botany, and animology. What is animology? The study of the wind. See, you learned something in church today. Animology is the study of the wind. Now, it is interesting how a person's life, they're here and they're so important, and uh, my mom... Uh, my, I love my mom. She was great. I never in my life ever had a day that I wasn't fully aware of my mom's love for me. And uh, that didn't always feel that close to my dad, especially the first 20 years of my life. But I always felt that way about my mom. And my mom was a big influence on me and on our family and my kids. And none of my grandkids remember my mom. My oldest granddaughter was two when my mom died. They don't have memories of fun stuff with my mom. And so she had a profound influence in my life. And yet, this next generation don't even remember who she was. We have a picture of my mom holding Anna when Anna was a baby. And my mom was joyful. She loved babies. So excited to see a new great-grandchild. But Anna has no memory of that. She's seen the picture of it. And so your life is temporary. So if you live for God, your influence can live on. If you don't, and your influence lives on, then it's a bad thing. When I was a chaplain for DPS, I did that for eight years and got, just got to, to, to 
complicated to try and be a pastor and a chaplain at the same time, and so I stopped being a chaplain. And uh, But we had an incident out here with a family, and there was a big shooting, and there was a shootout, and cop shooting, and bad guys shooting, and the, the bad guys lost. And uh, we, we then were trying to pull everything back together, and I was on the scene helping uh, the officers, and you know what, that family, this was the fourth generation of guys who shot at cops in that family. Fourth generation. A bad influence can linger too. So your influence is going to outlive you, so try and have a good one, okay? Try and have a good one as much as you can. So, Look back at verse 17. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Recently, Texas had a severe weather uh, problem and it caused electricity to be cut off just when people needed it the most. That'll never happen with God's mercy. When you need it the most, it's fully there. When you feel like you don't need it, it's fully there. You're just not aware how much you need it till you're aware, you know? And his mercy is always there. His mercy will not be shut off. You're not going to cry out to God and God say, well, you know, I am sorry, Donna, but you have used up your quota of mercy. You're on your own. It's never going to happen, aren't you glad? <laughs> never going to happen. God cares for you more than you care for yourself, more than your mom, your kids, your grandkids, your grandparents, everybody all combined. God cares for you more than all the people on the planet could care for you. He loves you and thinks about you every single day. And he wants you to be in his family. He wants you to receive Christ. He wants you to live in his house someday. I got to tell you, I mean, I love my siblings, but I'm glad they don't live in my house. And, and they love me, and they're glad I don't live in their house. But our Heavenly Father wants us all to live together. And we will, and we'll enjoy it. Won't that be great? All right, look at verse uh, 18, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments. Those who obey enjoy the benefits of his mercy more than those who don't. Simple fact of life. When you obey and walk with the Lord, you appreciate his mercy more, you enjoy the benefits of it. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. It feels like God's not in control sometimes. You know, we recently had an incident in Washington, D.C. that was a scary thing for some people. And um, a friend of mine from England was uh, sending messages and saying, uh, I saw a coup in Russia and now I'm going to see a coup in the United States. And I said, we're not going to have a coup. We're a people of laws. It will be resolved. There's not going to be rioting in the streets. And, and, uh, but it was, it was 
tents and a couple people died. But God's still in control. And when our world feels totally out of control, he's in control. And when your life feels totally out of control, he's in control. So what you need to do is submit to him. And you know, you kind of need to do that every day. And walk with him. The Lord established his throne in heaven. And his kingdom rules over all. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He created his heaven. He created the heaven of where the birds fly. He created the atmospheric heaven beyond where birds fly. He created the stars, the celestial heaven. He created his home in heaven. He created all of this because he's God and he rules over all. So verse 20, bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength and do his word, heeding the voice of his word. So just pause right there and think about that. He's praising them for heeding the voice of his word. Listening is an act of obedience and an act of praise to God. Listening is an act of obedience. In fact, kids who don't listen to their parents are considered disobedient. So we need to listen to God, to his word. The angels do this. The angels work at it. The angels who rebelled against God, like Satan and his horde of demons, they don't listen to God. They don't want to listen to God. Uh, they want to follow themselves and do what they enjoy. But the angels that chose to obey God and follow God, just like you and I, they have to listen to his word and respond to his word, just like we do. In verse 21, sorry. Uh, Bless the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his who do all his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So he starts by saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. He ends by saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. But at the end here, he's talking about God in the heavens and the angels who submit to God. And so he's saying, bless the Lord, all you hosts of heaven and you ministers of his. And bless the Lord, all of his works and all of creation. The, the stars sing his praises. And as Jesus said on the triumphal entry, if the people would stop praising him, the rocks would cry out. Uh, to pray, all of creation cries out in praise to God. So he's starting the magnificence of the heaven and, and the angels, and then he brings it right down to bless the Lord, oh my soul. I need to respond to God. I need to serve him and bless him and love him and submit to him. So we're going to read this psalm. And we have different parts, okay? Part of it is for men to read. <coughs> Part of it is for women to read. Part of it is for kids. And part of it's for everyone. All right? So we'll start with the guys because that's just the way it is on the screen. Ready? 
All right, join with me, guys. And we're not going to say verse 1, verse 2. We're just going to start reading. When it's your turn, you group, your group, just start reading. And don't try and be the fastest one through. We read a little slower when we're reading together and just hang together. Okay, ready? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with abundant kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your mouth will be righteous. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as he is from the west, so far as he removes our transgression from us. As the As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and then it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the To such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We love God's grace. He blesses us daily. We should remember that. We should also remember there are people who are enemies of the church, people who are attacking the church in public media and public office. And there are people who uh, try and overthrow the influence of God on planet Earth. And God's mercy and grace are so big to those enemies of his, he grants his salvation, just like the Apostle Paul, the first enemy of the church who tried to wipe it out became one of the greatest evangelists in church history. 
the most effective missionary we have ever seen, and a writer of more than a dozen books of Scripture. God can transform hearts. You're not stuck, and neither are they. Let's serve Him together. For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following Him, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org or send an email to victory at victoryarizona.org.